Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians and uh, chapter number 4. And when you find your place, if you will uh, turn or look to the verse number 12. Let's all stand, if you would. Galatians chapter 4. We've been preaching out of Galatians some the last little bit. And here we are back again. And so Galatians chapter number 4. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 12. And we're going to read down through verse number 18. Galatians 4, verse number 12, Paul says, as he's writing to the churches of Galatia here, brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are, ye have not injured me at all. Ye know how, through infirmity of the flesh, I preached the gospel unto you at the first, and my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus." Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear your record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Now notice the next couple verses here. Paul said, they zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that you might affect them. In other words, they want to take you away from me. They want to take you out of the doctrine that's right and and true. And then verse 17, Paul says this, they, uh, verse 18, I'm sorry, verse 18, he says, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I am present with you. Now I wanna focus on verse number 18, but it is good. Well, that catches my attention right off. Because I want to know what is good. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I am present with you. You may be seated this morning. And I want to talk to you about that subject. How to be zealously affected. I want to be, I want to be zealously affected. Man, I don't, want to, I don't want to rust out. I want to wear out. Uh, and... Uh, I, I love it. You know, we're, we're busy, as many of you are, busy in the work of the Lord. And uh, I was talking to someone yesterday, and I said, you know, if I had it to go back and do again, I don't think I'd change anything. I keep doing what I'm doing right now. I love what I'm doing. I love serving the Lord. And I love our kind of church. And, and, and you know, if you don't like a church that's alive, and if you want a church that's dead, and, you know, and, of course, it's a free nation, and, and, uh, but I'm, I'm very thankful that I'm able to come to a church that is alive and, some, and be around some Christians that have some zeal. And so I want to tell you in 2021 how you and I can be zealously affected. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to help us, and we'll jump right into this Bible study this morning. Father, thank you for giving us the privilege to be together as your, uh, your children today. And Lord, what a service. What a great service. Thank you for the great music. And Lord, thank you for the choir and how they sang so well today. And then Lord, for this special. What a day, a glorious day. Oh Lord, my heart's full already this morning. And Father, I pray as we close the service out around the word of God, I pray that Heavenly Father, that we would, uh, that our minds would be and our hearts would be drawn to your precious book. And so, Spirit of God, would you do that which only you can do? I pray you'll teach us 
And I pray that you'll give us ears that hear. And I know that we're hearing right now, but I'm talking about spiritual ears that can hear and, and minds that, and hearts that are receptive. And God, may we not be just uh, hearers of the word, but I pray that we'll be doers of the word. And so Lord, fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and Heavenly Father, the best we know how, we plead the blood of Jesus over the service. And I pray, God, that you would bind the powers of darkness and that you would keep your blessings in here today. Lord, if there may be one under the sound of my voice, whether it's in this room or the live stream, that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day that they would come to know him. What a friend we have in Jesus. And so, Father, work in hearts. Encourage, bless, edify the church, please. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. But it is good to be zealously affected always, uh, continuously. That word always means at all times. Uh, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And, and I love the, the last part. Paul says, and not only when I am present with you. And so Paul says here, it's good to be zealous. We notice here that he mentions that same word in the previous verse. And so Paul is saying it's good. It's a good thing to be zealous, but be careful to be zealous about the right things. Be careful that you're zealous about the right doctrine. But then I'm interested in that last part of the verse. And Paul says, and not only when I am present with you. Well, that's important. Now, Paul says, don't just be excited only when I'm there. Don't just be excited when I'm around, uh, when I'm in your presence, when I'm there preaching, ministering to the churches. Don't just be excited when I'm around. Applicable to us in this present day, I believe we could say it like this. Don't be excited only when you're present at church. Don't be excited only when you're around church family. Now, I want you to be excited when you're in church. Don't get me wrong. And some of you are, and I can, I can see it as they were singing that song today. I can see the, the zeal mounting. I can see the excitement uh, as it was beginning to work in your hearts. And I'm thankful uh, for that. But don't be excited only when you're at, 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 at the house of God. And don't be excited only when you're around your church family. And I wrote this down in my outline, and I really think this statement is so important. I really believe that that kind of Christianity is serving to kill the zeal of the next generation. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm, I'm talking about, I believe it's killing young Christians, and I believe it's killing young people. When they see people who are, seem to be zealous at the house of God and they seem to be excited about their Bibles and they seem to be excited about the right kind of music and they seem to be excited about Jesus when they're at church. But when they get home, it's totally different. Or when they're at work, it's a totally different lifestyle. They come to church, they carry their Bible, they say amen, but then when they go to work, they talk a different language, they talk a different talk, they walk a different walk, uh, they act excited at the house of God, but they go home as parents and, and they don't show that it's that same zeal in the house of God. And I really believe, I really believe in my heart of hearts that that double standard is killing the next generation. This is what I'm saying. If you're here at church, be here at home. Don't, listen, don't be on this level 
level in the house of God and then this level when you get, get to the house. Man, keep it even. Keep it steady. Keep it on an even plane. And uh, if you're saying amen at church, say amen at home. And if you're praising God at church, praise God at home. And if you're praising God at church, praise God at work. We say, Pastor, if I did, they didn't hair lip the whole plant. Well, let them be hair lip then. But he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our glory. And by the way, he's not just worthy of our glory at Calvary Baptist Church. He's worthy of our glory everywhere we go. It's important that spirit-filled Christians are zealous every day of their life. Now, what I want to do this morning is I want to show you some reasons that you ought to be zealous. Here's the problem I think a lot of times. I think a lot of times the reason that churches lack excitement, the reason that Christians lack zeal is because they really don't understand what there is to be zealous about. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse number two. He said, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Well, I think a lot of times we're not excited as we ought to be because we don't really understand or a lot of times we don't take the time to understand just why we ought to be excited. You say, preacher, do I have a reason to be excited? Oh, my. Do you ever? You have a reason to be excited on Sunday, but I got great news. You've got a reason to be excited on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and every day. You have a reason to be excited in the morning. You have a reason to be excited at lunchtime. You have a reason to be excited at supper time, and it ain't just for supper. I'm telling you, you have something to be zealous about. Then you say, Pastor, what are you? What are you talking about? Well, in Galatians chapter four, we notice here that Paul tells us and tells the church some things that they ought to be zealous about. How about this? Number one, we notice that God has made you a son or a daughter, whatever the case may be. Now look at your Bibles, if you will, Galatians chapter four and verse number seven. And so Paul writes to this church and he says, listen, don't only be zealous when I'm with you. He said, you need to understand that you've got something to be excited about all the time. And one of the things that he points out is, is, is this, that God has made us a son or a daughter in the Lord. Galatians chapter four, verse number seven. The Bible says, wherefore, thou art no more a servant. Would you read the next three words with me? Ready? But a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Hey, Calvary, I got great news. When you got born again, when you got saved, regardless of where it was or when it was, when you got saved, God ordained you or adopted you into the family of God. Amen. You know what that means? That means that God is my father, that Jesus is my savior. That means the Bible's my book. That means that heaven is my home. That means the Holy Spirit is my spirit. I'm going to tell you what, thank God for the day that God brought me into the family of God. Now you've heard of this. You've heard of, you've heard of going from a prince to a pauper. But when you got saved, you know what happened? God took you from being a pauper to a prince. You went from being a beggar. You went from having nothing You went from being on your way to hell 
to being a son or a daughter of the almighty God. You're a son of the highest today. Now, I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn over with me, please, to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Hold your place in Galatians. We're going to go back there in just a moment. But I want to show you an Old Testament illustration of a New Testament truth. The Bible says that we have become a son. If you're saved this morning, then you become a son or a daughter of God. You're in the family of God. Did you deserve it? No, you did not. Did I deserve it? Absolutely not. If I deserved what I got, I'd be burning in hell. But I'm thankful that God in his rich mercy and God and his wonderful grace reached way down. By the way, when I could not go to him, he came to me. And I'm glad that God reached way down in the mires of sin and God saved my unworthy soul and he put me into the family of God. Now, we find we find a picture of that in the Old Testament. And it's a, it's a, a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. Now, look, if you will, in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 9 and look at verse number 1. The Bible says, and David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called, unto, uh, called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. Verse 3. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. In other words, he's crippled. Verse 4. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Behold, thy servant. By the way, picture of salvation. When God called your name, when the Father drew you and you said, yes, I want it. Yes, I want Jesus. Yes, I want your salvation. Behold thy servant. Look at verse seven. The Bible says, and David said unto him, fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Now, wait a minute, here's the story. Mephibosheth is a, is a son of Jonathan. He's living down in a place called, the house of nature, in a place called Lodibar, Lodibar. The word Lodibar means pastureless. In, in other words, there was nothing going on in Lodibar. Many people believe that Lodibar was the ghettos. Lodabar was where the poorest of the poor people lived. It was where the, the outscouring was, where uh, people that maybe others wouldn't want to hang around. That's where Mephibosheth was living. Didn't have two nickels to rub together, living in poverty. Didn't have anything, living in a little shanty of a house. And the Bible says that one day, David sent his men down to Lodabar. I can see David as his men roll into the city, they've got these kingly chariots. They've got these kingly stallions. Man, all the, all the townspeople are looking around and they're thinking, my, oh, my, what's, what's going on? And, and the Bible says that David sends his servants to the house of Machir there. And they come to Mephibosheth and they Mephibosheth, the king has sent us here and the king wants us to fetch you back to Jerusalem. 
And the Bible says that Mephibosheth comes to the palace. He wears the clothes of the king. He eats at the king's table. He enjoys the blessings of the king. Now you say, Pastor, what, what are you saying? I'm saying when you got born again, Although you did not deserve it, you were living in Lodabar. You were living in a you were living in a low place. You were living in a place that maybe nobody you felt like nobody cared about you and nobody loved you. But aren't you glad for that day when God reached way down and He saved your soul? And God said, "Hey, I'm going to make you an heir of everything that I have. You're a son." I read the story and watched many tales of a convert who was struggling with his assurance of salvation. He said to the preacher, he said, he said, I, 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 I don't understand. He said, I, I, I feel like I'm constantly failing the Lord. He said, I know there are things that I need to do and I find myself not doing those things. And, and he said, I, I, I find myself disappointing the Lord. And he said, he said, I think I'm losing my salvation. Well, we know that's not possible. But the preacher said to this young man, he said, sir, he said, do you see this dog right here? He said, yes, sir. He said, that's my dog. He said, man, he's a prize. He really is. He said, he is so obedient. I can tell him to sit and he sits. I can tell him to lay down. He lays down. He said, I can tell him to get over here in his cage. He gets in his cage. He said, he's, he's amazingly obedient. He said, he doesn't cause any problems. He, he doesn't tear things up in the house. Uh, he's just a good, obedient dog. He said, but over there in the kitchen, I have a little baby for a son. He said, he makes the awfulest mess you've ever seen. He said, we'll put food in his mouth. He'll spit it out. He said, we'll put food in his mouth. He'll spit it out. He gets food on the floor. He leaves his toys strewn in the, in the floorway and, uh, and he makes an awful mess. And sometimes, sometimes he gets a dirty diaper. And sometimes he soils his clothes. He said, but I want to ask you a question. He said, do you think for a half a second that dog is going to be my heir? Oh, no. He said, that little boy in that next room is my son. He's my heir because he's my son. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to meet his needs. Oh, listen, this is all I'm saying. Please understand that if you're saved this morning, you have something to shout about. You have something to be excited about. You say, preacher, what's so big? I'll tell you what's so big. You are a son of the living God. That's big. It was a crowded, crowded bank way uptown in a metropolitan city. It was sort of that heavy banking hour. And, and uh, the story goes that a little boy walked into this busy, busy bank. The lines were long at every teller. People were backed up waiting to get waited on. And a little boy walks into this bank. He walks right past the lines, bypasses them altogether. There's several security guards that are standing there. He walks right past the security guards. Then he walks over to a door that says president of the bank. The young man doesn't even knock. He just grabs a hold of the doorknob, walks right in, closes the door behind him. Some of the people in the line said, what, what's going on? How can that little boy walk in this bank and he bypasses all the lines and he walks right past the security 
And he even walks to, the, to the, the president of the bank, to his office, and he walks right in. How can he get away with something like that? And somebody said very easily, because he is the son of the president of the bank. Listen to me, Calvary. I don't know if you know this or not. I mean, I don't know if you want to get excited about this or not, but just in case you're wondering, hey, you are a son of God this morning. You're a daughter of God. Hey, you're only going to live as long as God lives. And so I'll tell you what I do. I just say, hey, you know what? That's something to get excited about. And Paul writes to the church and he says, listen, don't get excited just when I'm around. Don't let these other people affect you in the wrong way concerning your zeal. You've got something to, to be always zealous about. Understand that when you got saved, God made you a son. But there's something else. Not only did God make you a son? But how about this? Number two, we notice God has given you his spirit. Now, Galatians chapter four, verse number six. Wow, what a verse. The Bible says, and because ye are sons, because you're a son of God, a daughter of God, because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We believe, according to the word of God, that when you get born again, God's Holy Spirit takes up residence in your body. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. That means that God's Holy Spirit is living inside of you right now. Now, a big thing, it is a big thing. Because our Bible tells us that it is the Spirit of God that bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse number 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so it, it, maybe, you're, maybe you're here this morning and you're new and, and you saw some folks getting sort of excited, you know, about the song or uh, uh, at some point in the service and you're thinking, man, what in the world? Why, why are they doing that? Why would they raise their hand? Then we have a question. I mean, why would, why would somebody stand up and, 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 and openly praise the Lord? Can I tell you why? Because there is a spirit that lives inside of them, the spirit of God. And while a song is being uh, performed like that, the Holy Spirit of God is saying, it's true, it's true, it's true, it's true. He did come out of the grave. He is a resurrected Savior. It is a glorious day. And you've got something to be excited about. That's the Spirit of God that does that. And so the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are saved. Tell you something else. That means that the Holy Spirit goes everywhere you go. He goes everywhere you go. So if you are here this morning and you're saved and you go somewhere and you think, now, Lord, I'm going to leave you out. I'm not going to. You probably don't want to make this trip with me on this one. You can't do that. If you're saved, the Holy Ghost lives inside of you and he goes everywhere you go. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. So that means this, that means this, that means that you're gonna have to be involved in the right things for the Spirit of God to rejoice within you. Because it is the, the, the Holy Spirit gets excited about spiritual things. Now, let me see if I can illustrate. Illustrations help me to understand. Maybe it'll help you to understand. My wife and I have a little dog. Her name is Callie. She's a little tiny Yorkie Poo. Weighs about three pounds, dripping wet. A little tiny thing. You could step on her if you want to. 
I say my wife and I have a dog. Really, my wife has a dog. And, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, she grieves until my wife gets home. Uh, but Callie, she got a little brain, but boy, she's smart as a whip. And Callie not only knows when it's supper time, she knows what we're having for supper. And so my wife and I, we have a, a certain day of the week that we have a little special, special night when, when uh, we, we eat, you know, something special. And part of what we eat is, man, we eat some seafood that night. Man, my wife buys me these big old shrimp. I mean, big giant ones. Yes, I know. Isn't that a blessing? I figured if I can't get your attention on Jesus, I'd just, you know, talk. But anyway, and she'll buy me these big shrimp and we fix some salmon for my wife and and, uh, and Callie knows. She can smell it. She knows we're having seafood. And so I'll eat most of the shrimp and I'll leave her just a little, just a little piece and I'll throw it in the floor and man, she'll, she, she'll gobble it right up. And then she's right back. Yeah. You know, she never barks until we're having seafood. And, and she's, she's letting us know, man, she'll run around the house and she'll, she'll do anything she can to get our attention. I mean, she'll run in the living room trying to make eye contact with us. You know, like, are you going to give me another piece? And she's excited about that seafood. Now, wait a minute now. Hold on, hold on just a minute. Funny thing that when I'm eating a banana, she's nowhere to be found. I can peel a banana and get ready to eat that banana, and I'm like, hey, hey, you want some? No, thank you. She, I, I could take a little bit, put it in the floor, she'd turn her nose up to it. You know why? Because that banana doesn't enthuse her a bit. She wants that seafood. Now, listen to me now, uh, church, uh, this is what I'm saying. Did you know that the wrong kind of music doesn't excite the Holy Spirit? Did you know the wrong kind of talk doesn't, uh, you know, when you use the wrong kind of language, it doesn't make you feel excited. You go to the wrong kind of places. You look at the wrong kind of literature. You watch the wrong kind of television. You hang around the wrong kind of friends. And, and, and then you walk in on Sunday and you think, you know, I don't feel very excited. Listen, no wonder that you don't feel very excited because the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And if, and if you want the Spirit of God to rejoice within you, then you and I are going to have to be involved in the right kinds of things. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Not all, but I hope you will. We were coming home. We were coming home last night. We had, we had left the church yesterday, yesterday evening, and, and uh, my wife and I had driven separately. I'm a, decent, I'm a decent praiser in public, but I'm a whole lot better in private. And man, I, I was coming home, and nobody was in there with me. I was all by myself. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to play this song, and I'm going to turn it up loud. <laughs> loud. And I did. I cranked it up. Man, I think my windows were sort of, you know, vibrating. <laughs> I was, and I was, I was coming through right there around that construction zone in Statesville. And that song that talks about, is anybody worthy? Is anybody worthy? And right about the time I'm coming through that construction zone, they got to that last part of the song where it said, he is. 
And about that time, the Holy Ghost, man, leaped up in my spirit and said, yes, 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 he is, he is. And I'm going to tell you what, man, I was doing everything I could to hold it in the road. I mean, I mean, the Spirit of God, it was like the Spirit of God moved in there. And I thought, hallelujah, he is worthy. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our glory. He's worthy of our adoration. He's worthy of our exalting. You say, wow, Pastor, what in the world is wrong with you? Hey, he's worthy. That's what's wrong with me. And Paul said, listen, don't be, don't just be zealous when I'm around. He said, understand that God has made you a son, that God has given you his spirit. But let me close today. How about this? Number, number three, get this one. Number three, God has offered you a solution. Look at Galatians four, verse number four. Love it. The Bible says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Look at verse five. Here it is. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. You know what that means, Calvary? That means that he graciously sent his son to save you and I from sin. But it does more than that. He not only saved us, but he sanctified us. And because God sent his only son, it not only saves us from sin, but it makes it possible for us to walk in the spirit of God. And if you and I are gonna live the abundant life, we must accept Christ as savior. You're not, listen, you're not gonna have fullness of life until you make Jesus your Lord and savior. You're not gonna do it. He is life. He said, I'm the way, the truth. I am the life. I'm the vitality. I'm the animated animation of life. You're never going to have that joy and that zeal and that excitement until you make the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you receive him as your personal savior. But you're not going to keep from becoming a casualty in the Christian life except you walk in the spirit of God. And all that happened when God gave us a solution. His only son. It was during the first world war. Many homes in America, if they had given a son in the war, I'm talking about he had given the ultimate sacrifice. Then it was customary back in that day and time that those families were given a star. And they would take that star and they would, they would, post that star in their window of their house. One night, a dad and his little boy were walking down a street in New York City, and the little boy was looking into the houses and the, 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 the lighted windows, and, and he would say, Dad, Dad, look, there's a star. Somebody gave their son. They go to the next house and say, Dad, look, look, Dad, look. There's another star. Somebody gave their son. They come to another house and they'd say, Dad, look, Dad, there's two stars. Two stars. That went on for a while. They finally came to a, they finally came to a, a, a place where there was a gap in the housing and there were, there were no houses that were blocking their view. And that night, it was a beautiful, clear night. And the Easter star was showing. And the little boy took a big breath. He said, Dad, 
dead. Dead. There's a star in God's window. God gave us his son. And the dad said, yes, he did. You say, preacher, something to get excited about? Oh, yes, my dear friend. There's something to get excited about. Why? Because God has offered you and I a solution. And by the way, make no mistake about it. The solution is Jesus. It's Jesus. Ask your question, are you zealous for the Lord? I'm pretty convinced that we are not having an effect on this world because we have lost our zeal. We've lost our fire. In many respects, we've lost our heat for the things of God. One of, one of our dear families here in the church bought my wife and I a washing machine. And it's top of the line. And it's, it's been, we haven't had it very long. It's been working great. And all of a sudden, it quit washing. And so I called the service line and I told the lady, I said, we're having some issues. The washing machine won't, won't run through its cycles. It won't wash the clothes. And so anyway, they scheduled a repairman. He came out and he walked in our laundry room there. He ran a test or so, maybe honestly, folk, probably 10 seconds. And then he said this, do you, do you and your wife use hot water? I said, no, we, we actually don't. We don't wash that many clothes. And I said, we just save the money and we don't use hot water. And he said, I know you're not gonna believe what I'm about to tell you. But he said, the water coming in from the bottom of your house is so cold that he said, your water temperature is not getting at least hot enough to dissolve your detergent. And so the computer in your washing machine is just saying, cancel, send the water back out. He said, if you'll run a little, <laughs> if you'll run a little hot water, he said, I think this thing will work fine. By the way, we got the hot water cut on. We haven't had a problem since. You say, Pastor, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, is the problem for all, uh, is the problem of all that's going on in America. Let me tell you something. Number one, regardless of where you stand, he's your president. Yeah. You're right. And you have, a, you have a scriptural yeah. responsibility to pray for him. Right. <laughs> Number two, he's not the problem. Right. You know what the problem is? The problem is that churches don't have enough heat. Right. We don't have, yes, we don't have enough fire. We don't have enough fire to dissolve the sin that's going on in our communities, in our world. Hey, and some churches would just say, oh God, send the fire. Oh God, help us to get zealous. Oh God, help us to get fired up. And if we would get the fire of God back uh, like we ought to, I believe that God would do something great in America again. You know what I'm talking about? In fact, this happened. I think this happened just this, the other day. Maybe even this week it was. Have you ever went by, you ever drove by a place and you, and, and you saw a dwelling and you thought, man, I didn't know that was there. Old broken down house or barn, roof falling in. You never paid it attention. Maybe it's grown over with kudzu and vines and, and, and you drove by one day and you thought, man, I did not even, I, I've been here all these years and I never even realized that was there. 
Happens all the time. A lot, it happens to a lot of people. They pass by that same dwelling, never paid it any attention. Don't even know it's there. Oh, yes. But let me tell you what you do. Or let me tell you what you could do. You could go over there with a couple gallons of gasoline. And you could walk in that old broken down barn. You could take that old straw and you could just, you could just straw it around. And you could take some of those old timbers and you could uh, you know, make a pile over the hay. And then take some of that gasoline. Pour that gasoline over that old straw. Pour some of that gasoline on those old timbers. And just really spread it around good. And they get way back and strike you a match. And throw a match into that thing. Boom. All of a sudden, that thing begins to burn. That black smoke begins to barrel up into the sky. And all of a sudden, something that nobody ever paid attention to in their life, people start coming out of the woodwork. The fire truck gets called. The fire truck's coming. The ambulances are coming. The deputy sheriffs are on their way. People start following the fire truck. People start pulling over the side of the road. They say, what's going on? What's going on? There's a fire burning. There's a fire burning. What's going on? What's going on? There's a fire burning. There's a fire burning. That thing's on fire. Man, look at it. It's burning. It's burning. Hey, listen, Calvary, you want God to do something great at Calvary Baptist Church? I'll tell you what we do. Let the Holy Ghost of God spread himself around in this ministry and let this place burn. Let it burn let it burn and let me tell you something people will come John Wesley said I just set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn he's worth it He's worthy of our zeal. We're done. We got to be done. It's a sad day when Christians will shout like a Comanche Indian for the NFL or the NBA and then come and sit like a, like a wooden Indian at the house of God. Oh, listen, he's, he's worthy of our praise and our glory. Hey, don't just, be, don't just be zealous here. Be zealous every day because you've got something to be zealous about. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help us with our zeal. And God, help us not to be zealous about the wrong things. Help us not to be overly excited about those things that really don't even matter. God, I pray that you'd help us to be excited because we're a son. <laughs> we're a son. Help us to be excited because we have his spirit. And Lord, help us to be excited on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and the rest of the week because a solution's been provided. Father, I pray that you'll, you'll work in hearts today. I pray you'll work in lives. Save the lost and encourage the saved, please. And we love you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two. How many are here today would say, Preacher, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I am saved.
I, there was a time and a place when I was born again and I became a son or a daughter. I, I was adopted into the family of God. If you can honestly say that between you and Christ, would you just slip your hand up right now? Wow, that's exciting. That's exciting. You can lower your hands. Can I ask a second question? And I'll, I'll make you a promise that I'll not come back and try to drag you down the aisle or I'll not center you out in any way. I'll not embarrass you. But I would like to pray for you. And I wonder how many may be here in this crowd today who would say, Pastor, I really honestly and truly, I could not raise my hand. And if I died today, although I want to go to heaven, I'm not 100% sure. And I sure would appreciate it if you would pray for me. And right now, you would slip up your hand and let me pray for you right now. You'd raise your hand. Bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Wow. God bless you. It's time to pray, Calvary. Is there another preacher? I'm about to be real honest between me and the Lord. If, if, I, if I were to die today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. I want you to pray for me, Pastor. You haven't raised your hand yet, but you'd raise it right now. Raise it high so I don't miss you because it's so easy to miss somebody in this crowd. All right, I see that hand too. Thank you, thank you. I hope you'll come in just a moment. I'm going to ask a couple of our, our personal workers if they would make their way to the ends of the aisles. In just a moment, we're going to stand. We'll sing in, a, in just a, in a minute maybe, but we're going to stand in just a minute. And if, the, and, and if the, the Lord is working in your heart, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Now, it's going to take, it's going to take some courage. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm, I'm going to ask you to step out in faith. And I know the aisles seem a little long, but if you'll take the first step, I'll promise you God will help you with the second one. And there's some men up here that would love to take the, the Bible and show you how that you can be saved. And so I want you to come now. I want you to come. Whatever you do, don't miss this opportunity. If you're watching by way of live stream and you don't know Christ as Savior, understand we love you today. I want you to reach out to us and we would love to connect with you and try to help you concerning your faith in Jesus Christ. Please do that. We want you to be saved. 